0: Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We're in a new series today, guys, and I'm really glad that you've joined us, and I'm really glad if you're joining us online. uh, We don't think less of you because you're online. Uh, We just wish we could see you, but we know sometimes we can't, so online people, we want you to know how much we love and appreciate you this morning as well, encourage you to find ways to plug in and have community still, uh, even though you are maybe attending our church online from even like Ontario or northern BC or wherever you might be. Glad you're with us. Welcome to the series called Take Your Mark. Take Your Mark, it is obviously an analogy about running and starting a race. Um, If you didn't catch that, I don't know how to explain analogies to you based on the picture behind me. Um, And there's a number of things I want to say to you in the coming weeks. So, with that in mind, um, remember this, when it comes to your spiritual life, I am your biggest fan. Well, I'm one of your biggest fans. Your mom might be a big fan if she follows Jesus, but when it comes to your spiritual life, I am among like, I'm right up in there in the top. I'm, I am your biggest fan of your spiritual growth, your spiritual life, your spiritual walk. It's, it's my whole reason for being here, is to be your fan, actually. Um, and um, I want you to remember that because as we talk through some of these things, the, the last Sunday that I preached the social media stuff I read afterwards is like, it felt like a boot camp. And then the time I spoke to someone before that, Tyler was preaching and he said, Pastor Trav, it was like he gave me a spanking. And so I'm beginning to develop a little bit of a complex that the, the, what if I'm too hard on people? And then the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not too hard on people. So please keep in mind that I'm your biggest fan. Please keep in mind that I say these things because the Holy Spirit asks me to say things to you that are for your benefit, not for your harm, for your growth, not something to cause you to shrink back. All right? So let's get started. Uh, Take your mark. The the title of today's message is simply starting. When you imagine your life, I doubt that you see yourself as a spectator, unless you're one of those real third-person type people. Like Tyler, some, some people talk to them about themselves in the third person. If you're that person, maybe you can see yourself as a spectator, but not many of us do. When we think about what's in front of us, our dreams, our opportunities, our hopes, the job we have to do, the things that annoy us, we very much are not spectators. Yet, I see many people living life, specifically their spiritual life, as if they are simply the spectator of everyone else's events. People attend church all the time, and they attend church wearing the hat of a spectator, failing to realize that they, in fact, are called by Jesus to be a participant of what is going on in their world around them. And the way you can know that Jesus wants you to be a participant is that he is still sustaining your breath. He, he, you're still here, so he's still expecting you to do something, okay? Okay? I just I just want to be real simple and real straight with you about this through this whole series. So, I see many people who come as spectators and not just to church, but I even see men or women spectating in their own marriage. Guys, let me tell you. Dishwashing is not a spectator sport. It's not a spectator sport. At least be smart enough to leave the room or go outside. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Help do the dishes. Or command one of your children to help do the dishes. That also works. Or, as Pastor Amy has rediscovered her great love for me, when I sit down at the piano while supper's being cleaned up, she just, well, I can't, you don't want to know. I heard that you don't want to know about it. Um, so, so, so being a spectator, as much as it's great to go to a game, hockey, whatever you like to watch, it's fun to be a spectator. But I think even those of us who like to spectate still imagine, like, what if, you know, at a hockey game... Like, what if the goalie gets hurt, and the backup goalie gets hurt, and they point at me and say, come on, man, get dressed. Come on down. You know, we all secretly have those little dreams. And you're lying if you tell me you don't. We all do have those little kinds of dreams. See, because we're wired not to just spectate. We're wired not to stand back and do nothing. All through the Old Testament, when God says things like, see what I am about to do, he still expected his people to put on their armor, get their spear and their shield, and march out to the battlefield. So when God's inviting us to see him do something, it's never simply to be a spectator, but to actually become an active participant in the thing he is about to do, okay? So we've got to be clear about this. I want you to think about this, that those who, uh, who want to run the race, we're, we're going to talk about this idea of, of running a race, and I'm always marveling at people in Christian world specifically, although it happens in every cultural aspect that we can recognize in society. It's funny to me how people might want to run the race, but they believe they should set the course. Hey, have you, who, who here is a business manager, owns a business, who here has employees that you're responsible for? Just put up your hand. Come on, there's a few hands. There probably should be more hands. Carl, I know that you manage people, and they never annoy you because you're practically a saint. But have you ever tried to manage people, and you know you need them to get A, B, and C done today, but they don't think that A, B, and C are the priorities of the day? It doesn't work very well, was it? And in, a same, in the same kind of way, I often see people, church people, those who actually legitimately want to follow Jesus, say, okay, well, I'm going to run the race, but I want to set my own course. Well, that doesn't happen, and that's not how it works. We're going to get to that in a moment. You are not the one who is making the route for your life, or route, if you prefer. As we begin, always remember this. Humility is everything. Every single person who comes to the starting line, every single person who takes their mark kneels or bows. Come on, the the sprinter, he kneels in the starting blocks. The long-distance runner, he may not kneel, but he bows. Even Even in a relay race. As the second, third, and fourth runners prepare, they all bow. They move their center of gravity lower to the ground so they can get a a running start to where they need to go. Humility is everything, and everyone who starts starts by kneeling or bowing. You see, God designed us to be at our best when we keep our center of gravity low. We're built for this. And if you've ever done any sports and tried to keep your weight high, you know how well it doesn't work. If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 for a lot of verses, Uh, but it's important that we talk through this entire thought this morning from God's Word. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1, says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Everyone is watching you. I think sometimes when we read that verse, it's this great cloud of witnesses, and we maybe just imagine that in a real spiritual sense. But it's not just saying it in a real spiritual sense. Your co-workers, your children, your spouse, your family members, your co-workers, the people you go to school with, the people who watch you drive across our city, they're all your cloud of witnesses. And so since everybody's watching you run this race, let me give you some advice from the Word of God. Don't run with a backpack on uh, or with a curling iron in your hair because the extension cord will be a problem for you at some point, if nothing else. Uh, Specifically this, don't try to run a race in high heels. Now I will say, That women who can run in high heels are truly the most athletic human beings on the planet. If you can run in high heels. I mean, as far as I can tell. No one tries to run a race putting mascara on still in the morning. Although some of you do it while you're driving, or used to, before it became obviously illegal. (laughs) And just in case you thought I wasn't going to pick on the guys, guys... Stop trying to run the race, spiritual or otherwise, flexing and preening as if you're in front of the big mirror at the gym. Because while your physical fitness is important, when you're running a race, your physique is not what people are looking at. The course is set for you, not by you. God has a course. He sets it for you And it's not set by you. Proverbs 19.1 says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Whatever your plans are for the race that your life inevitably is going to be, you can have whatever plans you want, but I want you to hear this and know this with all your heart, that God's plans for you, His purposes for your life, will be the ones that prevail. You can't outdo Him. We fix our eyes on Jesus because we simply do become the person that we study. We become the one we revere. We reflect the image and the nature when we place our reverence, when we place our desire on someone else. That's why married people who make it to 60 years act just like each other by the end. And I'm serious. That's what happens. You just turn into this wrinkly old raisiny couple of old people who act like each other all the time. It's because you love each other and it's a good thing. Remember this, Jesus knows all the things. He knows all the things that people have to say and do to hurt you or attempt to take away your ability to put your faith in God. He knows every weakness you have personally and intimately and he is the one who pioneered the course you're about to run. Jesus is all those things, so keep your eyes on him. Verse 4, this is kind of the, the standalone I wanted to touch on this morning in this passage. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And this is one of those verses where God is basically doing a mic drop. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You know what, guys? If you feel like it's just too hard for you to keep on resisting sin, get a helmet Get a helmet. He, he actually makes one available to you. It's called the helmet of salvation. You can even have like elbow pads, chest protection, belt of truth to gird up your loins. You can have foot protection. You can have it all because he has supplied for your need. Take off your tiara and get some dirt under your nails, friend. That's what God's saying. When you're struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Verse 5, and have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a, as a father addresses his son? Now, please pay attention to this. My son, do not take, take, make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciples the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Now, the author of Hebrews here is actually quoting an old, uh, an, an old verse out of the book of Proverbs. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as His son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children for what children are not disciplined by their father. And if you are not disciplined, everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They discipled us for a little while as they thought best. Now listen. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Now, I, I, am a, I believe I'm a blessed man. My father, speaking of earthly fathers, I remember a good number of the disciplinary actions I received growing up through my whole childhood. I remember them, uh, a lot of them. Maybe there's some that I've forgotten. I certainly remember one or two that I know I didn't deserve. Um, well, at least I believe I didn't reserve, deserve. Deserve. But one thing I can say about my dad is I can never recall a time where he disciplined me in anger. Now, I want to say that because in the world we have today with a lot of broken fathers and a lot of fatherlessness even more, we have young men and women who who honestly, this verse of the Bible would make no sense to because they're not even aware that an earthly father can discipline in love. But I want you to know the truth, that it can happen, and it does happen, and when it can and when it does, it produces something amazing in the life of an individual. You've probably heard me reference this verse many, many times in our church over the years. Because I say it this way, discipline proves sonship. That's what proves it more than anything else. I mean, the reason I know that I'm my father's son is because he disciplined me. And you want to know why fathers discipline their sons and why actually dads are really good at disciplining their sons? Because they see in their son the thing that they know they needed to change. You can ask my boys, and they probably won't understand, but if you ask my wife, she could probably tell you. Why am I so hard on my sons? Why am I so hard on my kids in those areas? It's actually because for me, it's an area that I know will benefit them, will bless their life, will safeguard their heart if they can get that principle while they're young. And that's what discipline coming from a place of love actually looks like. Now the good news for you is if you didn't have a father, the body of Christ is here, and in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, there are many fathers And so, no one has to be without a father who can give spiritual oversight, who can give spiritual insight, who can give loving and careful discipline to whatever situation you might be dealing with in your life. And this is good news. And I want you to know it to be true. The Bible makes a really profound statement here, basically saying that if you are not disciplined, you are not legitimate. Now, that's a really sharp thing to say, but if you were to run a race and had not disciplined yourself at all, what would be your chances of winning the race? Well, none. You wouldn't even finish, let alone lose, without discipline. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later. On. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, you can't have righteousness, you can't have peace, if you haven't been trained by the process of discipline. And one of the problems we encounter all the time in the body of Christ is people who stay in one spot until the discipline gets hard, and then they run. And then they wonder why they have no peace. Can I just read this for you again this morning so you understand that this is in fact the living Word of God that speaks into every part of our life? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. If I could just get you to understand this thought, we could cover so much ground so quickly. I like how verse 11 in the NIV reads, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. And it does both ways. No discipline that we experience ever feels pleasant. It never feels good when it's happening. And it's also true that no discipline at all in your life makes you feel good for a time. But the reality is the same. It will always be painful later on. My dad used to tell everybody that I knew at church, I feel this way. It wasn't really true, but I feel like he used to say this a lot. You can pay now or you can pay later, but either way, you're going to pay. Very true raising children, (laughs) just so you know. Very true building habits into your marriage, just so you know. Very true building your business. Very true building your relationship with God. Very true building anything that is of value or worth having in this world. You will pay now. You will pay later. But either way, you're going to pay. Guys, it will always be cheaper. It will always have less interest and less cost if we pay up front. The lessons that God would bring us through and teach us come much more gently to us when we choose to contrite ourselves, when we break ourselves down, when we humble ourselves rather than be humbled by circumstance. This is why at the beginning of the message I start with, guys, humility is everything. Everyone who wants to start the race needs to take a knee. you got to bow down. you got to make yourself lower if you want to start well. And if you want to finish well, you're going to learn and you're going to know you keep your center of gravity in the appropriate place. In other words, you don't let all your mass go to your head. And it's not that it's just about you and I, it's not that it's just about our story. Because when we strengthen our own feeble arms and we strengthen our weak knees by the process of the Lord's love and discipline in our lives, when we choose the right way, when we choose to take the right steps, when we choose to make sure that our path is not cluttered by the things we could surround ourselves with, the lame are not disabled, but rather they are healed. We don't even connect in our natural way of thinking the concept of healing with the concept of discipline. But it's absolutely there. Right here here in the Bible, it's absolutely there. Discipline, a change of our mind, a change of our process, a change about the way we think, aligning our thinking with the culture of heaven rather than the culture or the pattern of this world is what can strengthen weak arms and weak legs. It's what causes us to move down the path, not only as someone who's just limping along, but as the process is continued in our lives to become stronger and stronger, so that once what was once an area of crippling or an area of lameness or weakness in your life is now an area of strength. But it all comes through this process of difficulty. Make level paths for your feet. Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night? walking down the dark hallway of your house to the bathroom. And the reason why you didn't turn on the lights is first, yes, because it will hurt your eyes, but secondly, you don't want to wake up your loving wife or you don't want to wake up your children only to discover that you left a belt with a buckle on it pointy side up in that pathway. I, I have learned this in my life. I used to say the most dangerous thing in a home was a Lego on the floor in the dark. I rescind that now. You know what's far worse? is my own belt buckle with the pointy part sticking up going into the bottom of my foot. You see, it's our stuff that clutters our path. The things from other people that are cluttering your path are there because God is the one who is appointing your path. And so we can get all upset and, man, my wife, she doesn't get it right. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. I can go on and on about all the stuff that her broken attitude and her problem and her, oh, whatever else I can think to complain of, which is really hard because I don't have much to complain about. I can try to see. She's my reason. She's my excuse. Her brokenness is my problem. But what Scripture needs us to understand, what the Holy Spirit wants you to understand today, is the things that are cluttering your path are there because you're packing it and it's falling all around you. And when you step on it, it hurts. And it hurts because it's supposed to teach you something about how to keep your path clean. And everybody said, Amen. Because nobody wants to step on an upside-down belt buckle in the middle of the night when you really have to pee. The pain of needing to pee and the pain of a hurt foot are bad together, okay? They're bad together. I want to make sure you can chuckle because I know that for some of you this word can go deep. And by the way, I want you to know that I think our Heavenly Father spends a good bit of his time chuckling about the things that we're not quite figuring out. Just in case you begin to have this mindset that God is ready to swatch you off the face of this earth at your next mistake. No, I want to assure you of this truth that where your sin abounds, His grace is even more powerful to help you overcome your sin. But because that is true, you have no excuse. Discipline is required in training for a race or event. But that same discipline is usually continually in process throughout the entire race. And without that discipline, you would simply not be able to continue running. You wouldn't be able to continue. As I said before, you won't even be able to lose. You just won't be able to cross the line. The reason that you encounter discipline is so that you can run. And through the processes of those disciplines you can learn to keep your eyes on Jesus considering every hardship. Now that doesn't mean that every single hardship is coming because God is trying to teach you something and this is this is profitable to understand this morning. Every single time something goes wrong it is not. I repeat, it is not God trying to discipline you because he is not vindictive, wicked or cruel. That's not his nature. But what Scripture is suggesting to us is that it would be more profitable for you and I to consider every hardship that we face could be an opportunity from God to become better than we were. And do you see the difference? Because all that other stuff that God is bringing into your path, it might be someone else's fault. It might be your fault. And it could be that God was bringing it into your path to teach you something. But no matter what your plan is, God's purpose for your life is what's going to prevail. God wants you to run with discipline. He wants you to come to the starting line with a posture of humility so that you can learn to run and resist sin, so you can run and be unimpeded by shame, so that you can run and not be affected by the words or the deeds of those who don't love God. Finally, let's pause on this last thought, making level paths for our feet. You know, the Bible says that God levels the path for our feet. It says He makes the way straight... I mean, God's willing to put mountains into valleys to make it a level path for us. That's that's what he's, he's willing to do. But you will not get very far in this life if you believe that God is going to create a flat highway for you everywhere you go. Because that's not what the Bible is promising us in the book of Hebrews. It's not promising you. Jesus did not promise us a life without hardship, a life without conflict. He didn't promise us a life that would be easier than the life we had before. He simply promised us peace and righteousness. Guys, don't leave your belt buckles upside down in your path. Don't, don't don't allow the clutter that you're tempted to carry to fall in front of you. Let it, let it fall behind you. If my, if my four children could, could understand this, maybe maybe my four children should come to the altar call today, but please, yeah. Because, you know, if, if my kids, in all the mess, the tornado that they are, because they're like your kids. I know they look all wonderful and cuddly and perfect, a little smelly but still pretty wonderful. Uh, (laughs) if if they could just learn that, and if you and I could just learn, that if the mess is back here, it, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's when we bring the mess up in front of us, continually, that we have a problem. Always. And the process of learning is simply... Realizing how we come about taking off, shedding the things that beset us, the things that entangle us, the things that ensnare us, and learning to set them behind. Scripture says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the upward call. You keep your path clear by leaving your past in the past. You know, I hope today that you will take away exactly what you needed. But more importantly, exactly what the Holy Spirit wants you to take away today for your race. But if I could ask you to take one thing away, it would be this. You are called to the line. Every person in this room, every person watching us online this morning, you are called by God to report to the line to take your mark to be ready to start something new today, a new journey, a new opportunity, a new challenge. God is putting them in front of you constantly. Yes, there's the overall race that each one of our lives represent, but do you not understand that every morning when you wake up, it is a new beginning, a new start, a new opportunity, a new race, a new possibility that God in His grace has set right in front of you. And you can't run today's race the way you ran yesterday's race. You can't do it that way because you'll never succeed if you live in what lies behind. You're called to the line. And in preparation for coming to the line this morning, I want to just remind you that the way to approach, the way we start, the way every great athlete starts is by bowing low. Getting your... Get in the middle of you, your center of gravity, low to the ground. So that when the gun goes off, and when the opportunity to start comes, you are found ready, willing, and able to move directly into the thing that God has for you. Holy Spirit, today, we ask once again, Lord, that you would help us to know those things that we need to take away from here. And, Lord, we just take this moment right now to ask you the same question we ask week after week at this church. God, what is it you want to say to me today? Right where you are, would you just bow your head in this moment with the Lord in his presence? Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with what I'm hearing today? Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.